Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Crash Chords Autographs. I am super excited about this week's guest. Before we get to that, I want to remind everybody that I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash stormageddon, where you can subscribe to a whole different slew of tiers. I also want to thank my Patreons at the $5 level who get a shout-out on the show, which are Mary Bradley, Robert Tremarco, Robert Prine, and Rob Sterobin. I couldn't do it without you guys. You know, I've been doing this podcast a long time, but having the backing of people actually supporting the media that I'm creating has been super helpful. There are a ton of other rewards at the other tiers. Please go check it out again at patreon.com slash stormageddon. Anything y'all can give from a dollar or more would be super awesome and help me continue to grow this show and the other three podcasts that I work on as well. From there on to business, my guest this week is the incredible Petra Fried. Um, she is one of the most badass drag queens I have ever met. Um, we talk a little bit about how she got started and all of the things led up to her being as absolutely fabulous as she is. So as always, thank you for listening and I will talk to you soon. We chat. Um, yeah. I used to do like these very boring cold opens where I'd introduce the guests, but I started to hate them because they all yeah. started to sound the same. Yeah. So now I do a preamble before this part where I'll just like mention my Patreon and how oh, you can totally. subscribe. Yeah. And then I just kind of get into it with the guests because I think it feels more natural and it's less boring to me. Yeah. And after you've done over 100 episodes, you have to find a way to like keep it's things new. <laughs> When you were coming up with that, were you like, uh, I hate this. Why am I doing this? Or did it sort of like gradually just I think it just kind of gradually f fell in. I, w I do a lot of interviews over Skype with performers as well. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes when we're, I'll just start recording while we're chatting to kind of test levels on mm -hmm. my end. And then I'll just tell them, oh, by the way, we're recording. And it seemed to have worked. Yeah. So I keep doing that. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, um, but for those listening now, those who do not know, I am with the incredible Petra Fried, um, which, by the way, you are in a small legion of performers whose names I don't get until years after I've known them. <laughs> the first I'm artist so that ever happened with was Anya Keister, who I, it's with performers who have names that sound like they could be first name, like Petra and Anya. So, like, yeah. I only called her Anya for so long, <laughs> and then I was hosting trivia for a little while with her and my wife, Sarah, and I said her name aloud on the microphone to introduce her, went, oh my God, I get your name. And she just like, really, Matt? Really? Oh God. You know who that happened with me? Dick move. Yeah. I was like, oh. I get it That's now. funny, because I say that all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. Like, what a dick move. Um, um, but yeah, so your performer okay. name is Petrified, which yeah. yeah, as I said, I was, oh, Petrified, of course, Petrified. <laughs> I get it now. Um, when when coming up with your your show name your performer name was there like a trial and error process? Not I mean not really. So the first time I did I did drag it was just sort of like as a lark for pride, you know. And you yeah, have sure. to have a name when you get up on stage to perform. Sure. And I, frankly, I just wanted to find something that was stupid and funny <laughs> because I thought I was going to be kind of a booger queen, right? Like a goofy booger queen. I assumed that would always be my my drag path. Then I started playing with makeup and I was like, oh, this is really, this is pretty. Oh, okay. I'm going to be, I want to be a pretty one. Um, but then the name didn't really 
fit that brand, but I was like, whatever. Well, I think the name fits just as well. I think yeah. the, the the more ridiculous a name is to a performer, the better it works. I mean, there are also some performers yeah. whose names are like, like I couldn't picture Brudy Valentino as anyone else. No, like, for he's sure. just, it's a classic name. He's a classic performer. Yeah. Um, but I think other names, like I also like when I'm, I see a performer's name like in one of our many Facebook groups and go, oh, cool. And then I meet them in person and go, Oh, I wasn't expecting yeah. that. But, you know, it's kind of a nice surprise. Yeah, especially pun names or silly names yes. like that. I mean, I just, I, like I said, I picked it because I thought it was funny. And, um, but then I kind of liked it. Sure. I don't want to give it up. It's, yeah. it's like such a part of me now. Um, I thought about it. But how long have you been doing drag for now? Four and a half years. Wow. It's, awesome. Wow, yeah. It's a long time. Yeah. I was thinking about this the other day and it kind of blew my mind. And you only started doing performing in burlesque shows fairly recently, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I, I performed with Victor a few times. Right. And then I, I seemed to, uh, specifically with like the B. Arthur thing, somebody yeah. knew that I had a B. Arthur act, so they booked me specifically for a Golden Girls show. Oh, nice. And then I sort of I started meeting more burlesque people, and now it's almost more that than drag shows. Do you like, like that? Do you prefer element. that? Or you know, I don't know. I, I was at Rock Bar for a long time, and and then that show ended. Uh, gosh, I was there almost four years. Wow, it was a long, long. Yeah, time. I remember Three you almost al- you always yeah. follow, uh, came before Victor's show. Yep, before White Elephant. Yep, when we started that show, we 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 were playing around, and it used to be Victor one week, and then our show the next week, me and right. Angel Tart. But uh, then it just sort of made sense to do everything together. It made for a better night and yeah. more consistent for. And your show was usually about an hour, and yep. same with Victor. Mm-hmm. So, like, it just made sense to put them yeah. together. And we decided, and we didn't have any. Uh, th- there weren't like a lot of viewing parties or anything like that. So we got to sort of make the night what we wanted it to be. Yeah, I think there was a, a karaoke afterwards once. Then there was another drag show, and then there was a viewing party. And so that part is always sort of rotated. But for so long, Wednesday night was um, uh, Petrified and White Elephant, and yeah. that was really cool. And I'm a creature of habit, so yeah. I stuck with it. <laughs> but now that I'm not there anymore, I'm kind of, um, well, truly I've been sort of taking a back seat to mm-hmm. sort of see what I feel about drag and right. how I want to change my performance. Because truth be told, it's a lot of work. I mean, I would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've both seen you in and out of drag. Yeah. And you yeah. are, you transform and when you when you when you go into drag, especially because yeah. of the the makeup and the outfits and everything, and right. with the wigs, it's beautiful. Um, I imagine the process must take a long time. Oh my gosh, so long. Well, and <laughs> so because I, I I think I I'm kind of a brick. Yeah. <laughs> before I start getting ready, it does take me a long time. I need. I would say I spend from with all the shaving, packing, brush cleaning for one show before I get on that stage. I probably spend eight hours working. Wow! So when and then when you're getting like these little bookings for like fifty bucks, you're like, oh gosh, I, I need to work smarter. Yeah, I need sure, to find better bookings that are a little bit more sustainable and less um, sort of just doing it for fun. Because right. when you start, that's sort of why you do it. Right, of it's, course. It's a hobby. You get paid for it because you're skilled or whatever. But. <laughs> Um, or you start getting paid eventually, right? But then it, then you start realizing, wow, this is a lot of work. And I don't know. Um, and I think a lot of burlesque performers feel the same way, but yeah. particularly with burlesque, cause you usually only do one or two acts. So you right. have to, the act has to be really good. Right. You can't, you can't just like throw away some songs. So when I would come to the show, I would make sure that I looked good. Right. 
that I warmed up, right? That I planned a set list. That it was a that it was some sort of arc of a show that told some sort of story or had some sort of energy to it, right? Um, and that took a lot out of me. So then I decided to take it easy, and now I'm sort of putting dipping my toes into other ponds just to see what they feel like. Well, also your show shows offered a lot because you hosted, you yep. you told stories, you sang, and you lip synced, mm -hmm. and so like all of those, I must t I imagine yeah. take different things out of you, oh, especially yeah. when you're singing because like I know just having DJed for you before, they usually have multiple versions of a track because you're not sure how your voice will sound and yep. you're warming up, yeah. And so I imagine that must be a little stressful too to kind of figure out where you're at a little bit. Yeah, for sure. Well. So my degrees are in music, and right. so I'm pretty diligent about taking care of my vocal health. Um, so were you a singer in college? Yeah. Okay, yeah. awesome. So my undergrad was in classical voice, my my graduate degree is in music theater, then I got an advanced certificate in teaching voice. Oh, wow. So I'm very voice-centric, and so I try to take care of myself. Um, Maybe maybe too much, maybe obnoxiously. <laughs> like I need to calm the fuck down. Ooh, can I curse? Yes, okay, you can curse. curse. It's fine. <laughs> yes. Just checking. Um, but... I, I always want to give people who are coming, even if it's just like three people, yeah. the full experience of what it is. Of course, yeah. Sometimes, I mean, I played around with like not shaving or not padding or, or things like that. And I always have a really fun time, but I do feel like I'm cheating people a little bit right. out of the full experience. Because they're not getting, you know the full experience I'm, even if they right, don't. Right, exactly. Um, do you have a preferred uh, thing? Like, I, I imagine it's like picking favorites is tough, but like lip syncing, actually singing burlesque, like, does, yeah. do you enjoy one more than the other? Does it depend on the day? You know what? In doing a full show where, because I, I think I also perform drag shows in a way that is not necessarily common. Right. Um, because it was the model that I first saw. I used to go to the old Boots and Saddle where they would just have a queen who would perform from six to seven or eight to nine, just a solid hour of that queen on stage doing whatever they wanted to do. Right. And the queens I saw just did, just perform number after number after number. So I thought, oh, that's what a drag show is. Right. So when I started planning shows, they were all full, like 10 to 12 numbers or whatever. Um, and for me, when I get to do live singing, lip singing, and maybe something in between, like burlesque, it's a nice balance because then the show's not all the same. Right. Um, it gets tricky um, because lip syncing actually wears out my voice more than singing does. Really? Yeah. Is it because you're straining to not sing? Well, uh, so, okay, can I get nerdy for a yes, second? Yes, please. Okay. I would love it's to It's this hear. thing called sympathetic adduction uh -huh. of your vocal cords. So if you were to go to say, like, hi, my name's Matt, um, w but you stop yourself and you just lip sync it, your vocal cords are actually adducting anyway. Oh. Yeah. So you're you're stopping the flow of air and you're you're essentially speaking but there's no there's no air flowing through so your cords just kind of frankly pound together a lot more. Oh wow. And if you're really so you have to be really careful when you lip sync. Wow, I never knew that. I know, it's like, I, well, because, well, have you ever heard drag queens that sound like they've smoked 20 packs of cigarettes? <laughs> yes, many. I think that's part of it, too. Yeah, you think? And just being on a microphone talking to people is is hard on your voice too so sure yeah i kind of like this new do two sing two songs thing and not host because yeah. then i don't have to worry about any of that i just get to show up and sing which yeah. is what i think i think i do best okay but um yeah i mean well like i my, my the most experience i've had with you is both your show at rock bar and then when you've hosted white elephant yeah. like you've hosted we boy last yep and in those you've done i believe you've done two songs and then you've hosted yeah um when choosing songs for a night like that, when you're not curating it, mm -hmm. do you pick? Is it picked based on vocal health? Is it picked based on what you're in the mood for? Like what dictates? Yeah. 
Uh, I think both for okay. sure. If I've just had a cold, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna do the eleven o'clock Broadway number. Right. But um, uh, mostly I I I I check with who the producer of the show is to see what vibe they're trying to go for, and sure. then um, I often ask what else is in the show, because I. I am kind of a, a details within the bigger picture person. Yeah. So I like to know how I would fit into the show. Sure. And by, I think it's more interesting for people if I'm doing something totally different all yeah. of a sudden. Um, like the Wee Boy Last Show, I think I sang a song from Hedwig. You did, yes. Yeah. Uh, which is which is totally appropriate for that audience, but yes. also not something anybody else would have done at the show. So Probably not yet. Although, yeah. I mean, for me, a room full of queer artists, a drag queen, like Hedwig's pretty on the nose. It is, yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. but someone who maybe has not seen a lot of Boylesque mm-hmm. might not think of Hedwig, right. uh, which I thought was interesting. Yeah. I mean, you also have some ridiculous numbers that you do, and there's a lot of comedy in your act. Um, did you study any comedy when you were in college? Oh, no. I, I was, even as, because I've been through a lot of acting training and stuff, through music school even and i always just said i am not a comedian <laughs> it scares me honestly really yeah it, it uh um it makes me a little clam clammy and um i think when i'm true to my own sense of humor it's fine but yeah when i'm trying to please a group or think well what's funny to other people Got then it. it's when you sort of fall apart so the so the comedy is coming across naturally in your act it's not like you're projecting it per se no like i'm trying to think of a good number that's an example um, okay, I like really jarring juxtapositions sure. of things. So have you seen the Mario number that I do? I have. Okay. I am a big fan. That is a really good example because it's this really like husky woman singing about being Italian, but then you have that dorky video game music popping <laughs> in and out. I just love how different those things are. Yeah, and I sure. think that that is funny and that lends itself to comedy. Mm-hmm. And once people start laughing, then they're more apt to see the comedy in other things. And sure. you can sort of relax and be yourself and be naturally silly, which I kind of am. Yeah. Well, yeah. like we were talking off air about my favorite act of yours yeah. because it features Alanis Morissette, mm-hmm. who I love. So you have a <laughs> B. Arthur act from the Golden Girls. Um, Dorothy, right? She plays Dorothy. Yep, she sure does. Dorothy, um, where you sing You Ought to Know. Um, and you refer to Dorothy's relationship struggles on the show with quotes and everything. To me, as a music nerd, that's brilliant on so many levels because, like, I grew up like any other person my age watching Golden Girls either on regular TV or on Nick at Night. And, like, I probably couldn't tell you what season something was in, but mm-hmm. I, if you mention a plot point, I'd go, Oh, I know what happens yeah. next. And, yeah. be- and so, like, to mix, so where did that idea come from to mix those two things? So a lot of what I do is, frankly, if I'm if I'm if I have shows coming up and uh-huh. I want to do something new and I'm kind of bored with what I have or I don't want to wear it again or um, or that one takes too much work this way I want to try something different I kind of this is I don't know if this is the best creative way to work but I will look so I have this big entertainment unit in mm-hmm. my apartment and it's full of books and movies and little knickknacks and doodads whatever um, and when I'm bored i'll actually just look at my book cabinet uh and say what's fun to me what do i want to do okay that's um, actually great i love that yeah it's kind of like a free thinking it, it is because because well, i i don't always think that i'm the most creative person i think that i am resourceful and i think i can i can edit things smartly and whatnot but when it comes to like, oh, I want to do this and do that and do this and do that, I don't come up with a lot of ideas. I'm better with like prompts and like seeing things is more of like a prompt. Like, sure. Oh, that could be this. I have a few numbers in my head that I'm working on now, but I, 
haven't started because I'm trying to figure it out. Right. Because well, you've seen probably a lot of drag numbers. That yeah. Are just mixes. Drag queens do mixes a lot. And yeah. A lot of times those mixes are just like one song after another for seven minutes. <laughs> and, and they're funny and they're yeah. great. But I think that they have a real tendency to get sloppy sometimes. Sure. And so for like the You Oughta Know number, I love B. Arthur. I love Dorothy. I had done, I performed songs that she sang on the show. Right. Uh, but I thought, that can't be the only thing I do this, Dorothy. What do I love? Um, but incidentally, that number in particular gets a little special. Uh, we got to give special credit to Jason, I think. Because okay. I was doing a Golden Girls trivia at Rock Bar mm-hmm. as B. Arthur or Dorothy. Um, and it was really dead that night. I think it was raining or something. There were like five people there. Um and so we just started lip syncing. I just started lip syncing whatever the DJ played. Oh, and cool. you ought to know came up, and it was such a fit. Yeah, of course. So that was like the impetus for the number. That's but awesome. But then I then I had to sort of contextualize it and make it into some an arc. Well, I love that it has a narrative because you ha- you sing the song and then stop. And as as Dorothy say these quotes and lip sync these quotes, and it really puts you in the moment. And yeah. I love stuff like that. Yeah. Like I've always been obsessed with lip syncing, and I may try my hand at it at some point. But like, what I love about it is there's a theatricality for me as someone who I don't I don't think I have a particularly good singing voice. Lip syncing gives you the freedom of not yeah. having to worry about how you sound and yeah, just how sure. you look, which I've always been fascinated right. boy by. Um, and so I think that's why of all your acts I gravitated to that one so much because it's just the perfect mix of the most ridiculous things. Because also, if you had an angsty teenager, they may not necessarily think of the Golden Girls, and a Golden Girls fan may not think of Alanis Morissette. But because right, you're right, right in the middle of that, yeah. and that experience happened, yeah. you're like, of course, how did I right. not see this sooner? Yeah, and uh, it's a, it is such a jarring juxtaposition, right? Yeah, it's very fitting. Fitting, but um, well, okay. Side note. Um, I don't know if you knew this, but about a year after I did that number for the first time, uh, Alaska Thunderfuck, um, a video surface of her doing, as as Dorothy Spornak, sort of reading You Oughta Know as like a beatnik poet. And I uh, my heart fucking broke when I uh, saw it. Because I was like, I don't think Alaska Thunderfuck knows who the hell I am or right. stole my idea. I think she loves Golden Girls and she's a creative thinker. And right. I, but I do. But I was pissed because it was something I was really proud of, but not a lot of people have seen. And right. so I, I almost don't. I don't. I'd be careful what kind of space I bring it to right. because I could be called a copycat when in fact I did it first. And so right. that's kind of disappointing sometimes that's a little rough yeah Yeah. i've noticed that too like i've had these great ideas or thought of stuff and then like searching the internet found that they've been done already and you're like i mean you know it's that old gag like south park did with the simpsons did it this idea that things that came before of course have done that idea but it's how you make it your own totally um but yeah i can imagine how it could be a little disappointing coming across that it was a bummer but i still I, frankly, I think my number is better. <laughs> okay, for, for those listening, because you can't see, uh, Petra did an imaginary hair flip. Sure did. With uh, all of my non-hair. Non, your, your non-hair. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about your costumes and your outfits. Yeah. So, like, I mean, some of them are just so awesome and ridiculous. Is Where's your sense of style come from? Where does that originate from? How do you choose those wigs and the outfits? Yeah. Well, again, when I... Okay. This it's it's so funny to look back at your own evolution. Sure. Um, and I look back when I started, and I was just buying things from Rainbow and uh, necessary clothing was a, like a cheap clothing store in Soho. 
um, just like everyday things and putting it together into maybe like a heightened everyday lady look, but that's kind of what the clothes were. Again, the model that I knew, that's what it was. It right. was wearing off-the-rack clothes. Um, but actually, I think burlesque started inspiring more, inspiring me more to um, come up with my own costume ideas. Uh, and then, of course, years later, I was actually talking to my best friend about this. Um, and he was trying to pinpoint like the language in what Petrified style was. Right. And I think it really is a mix of whimsical and um, beauty. Yeah. I, I really that. like that. Yeah. I don't think a lot of queens do it the same way, which is why I sort of latched onto it. Uh-huh. Um, I I love pop culture ref- references, so sure. I like to take something that would be totally unexpected for a drag queen to do and then do a really glamorous version of it. Yeah. Like Willy Wonka. I love I that's one of my favorite costumes ever Florence Lee made for me. Um then then for DragCon this past year, I had a facehugger hat made. I saw and, that. Yeah, and like that kind of thing. And you also did um, uh, it. You did a Pennywise, drag. Yeah. yeah, you did a drag of yeah. Pennywise, which like you're not. And you were an intimidating person to me when I didn't know you because I just your stature and I didn't know you. But as I got to know you, you're wonderful and yeah. very friendly. Yeah. But that photo is the only photo of you that I look at and go, I am like it's yeah. terrifying. I mean, I also don't like clowns. I have a yeah. thing about clowns. But, like that costume was so good. <laughs> and to walk around DragCon in that, that must have been a lot of work to get into that yeah. costume and the makeup. Well, okay, so Pennywise, I didn't do it DragCon. I did it FlameCon. Oh, it was FlameCon. Yeah, That's which right. which DragCon would have been a nightmare as Pennywise. <laughs> oh, um, sure. Especially since there were two other Pennywise this oh, year. No. <laughs> I did it first. I did it first. <laughs> mine, mine, uh, mine. Again, again. No, whatever. Um, but uh, I did it for FlameCon and that was actually the first costume I ever made myself. Really? Yeah. So that That's one I, awesome. I entirely made. And I so you, you, so you've been doing sewing and, yeah, and all of that stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you well, find that it's more satisfying when you've made the costume yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> Can I be Excellent. Honest? Yeah, absolutely. Like, I am so proud of the costumes that I made, and I really love the way they look, and they have turned out essentially exactly like I wanted. Right. However, making costumes is a skill that I just simply don't think I have the patience for. Like, well, because I like to, I like things to be good. Right. I'm, I'm a perfectionist. I'm fully aware of it. I'm high strung, anxiety prone. I work to make things good, and so <laughs> I'm not capable of making. Every costume I want, of course. Well, so, <laughs> so, so, what I tend to do is like I'll make half of something, and I'll have I'll ask somebody else to to construct another half of it. Like the the alien look, I made the I made the dress, which I was really proud of. But uh, somebody else made the hat. Leave alone made the hat. Of course. Piece. Um, when I did the Wonka look, I made my hat and my skirt. Florence Lee made the bow tie and the jacket. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I, I like to collaborate with people. I mean, I think also there's this inherent inherent collaboration in the burlesque and drag scene that I was unfamiliar to only working a few shows mm-hmm. until I started to do, especially a lot more shows in a queer-friendly space, in a space that uh, has a lot of drag and, and queer mm-hmm. burlesque. Um, and I've learned how supportive that community is. You know, there are sections of the burlesque community, and I'm sure the drag community, that oh, yeah. are not supportive and that are cutthroat, and that is what it is. For sure. But I like, like, especially the, the White Elephant burlesque and extended family, I've really fallen in love with because there's just a sense of support at Rock Bar and amongst those people that I just don't really see anywhere oh, else. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's why it's hard to leave Rock Bar. Sure, Or, or think about doing a show somewhere else because 
there's a lot of loyalty. I think everybody has loyalty towards each other yeah. and really respect each other. And the great news about Rock Bar is if you show up and you're not a pain in the ass, they love you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and, and you get to love them in return because they're very good to you. Yeah. So you get to do whatever you want to do. So you're, you've been talking about how for, for right now the Petrified show is no longer at Rock Bar. Right? And you're figuring out what your next steps are. Do you have any idea of what kind of show you want to do or where you want to go? Do you want to try yeah. something different than a straight drag like performance show? So I, I've struggled, struggled with this a little bit because I love singing as myself right i mean honestly if i could live my dream job it would be being myself at a microphone with a piano next to me and a player singing songs all night right old-fashioned cabaret style performance that's what i really love and that's sort of what the basis for my show is even right. though it had lip syncing and burlesque and things like that that's kind of the vibe and the energy i like yeah you came out you introduced yourself you uh -huh. got chatty with the crowd and then mm -hmm. you would do a number yeah, yeah totally tell stories jokes or yeah. whatever and you give them a little break it's a it's like a i always wanted it to be sort of a full experience start to stop um but now i i'm sort of turning my attention toward a little bit more uh, unfortunately labor inducive drag <laughs> <laughs> um and that is those are things that i can't just pack in a small suitcase and right. carry to any gig it's it's like giant skirts and massive wigs and big things that are clearly drag but still sort of represent me right um i have finally like i'm finally trying to make the switch over into big hair which is another <laughs> ball game entirely um but i understand why it's important too and so i, I want to keep evolving and I, while i'm not sure exactly what that is i do know that singing is always going to be a part of what i do mm -hmm. hopefully the feature part of what i do um uh but i want to be more um I hate to use the word like a cosplay queen because right. I don't really think that's what I do. What I think I do is, um, what would we call it, like a pop culture? Mm -hmm. A pop culture assimilator or something? <laughs> I don't know. Like I mean, Assimilating yeah. pop culture elements into drag. Right. Because I think people respond to it. I like it. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's that sense that's similar to cosplay that there's a familiarity. If uh -huh. someone recognizes the thing, uh -huh. they're definitely more likely to engage. Right. And right. so I think that's why when I've DJed shows, if I'm in a themed show, I try and dress to the theme mm -hmm. because I think it just helps round out the experience. Absolutely. And I feel like also people want to be a part of something. Like if they're coming to see a show based on a theme that you're doing, they want to be a part of the show. To mm -hmm. what extent you allow that to happen is up to you. But right. like there's a certain level of give and take with the audience that if you just kind of get up on stage, do your thing and walk off, which is perfectly fine, mm -hmm. some audiences don't really react to that because they want to be able to take something from yeah. what you're giving. Well, and small venues are great because you, you, you get to look in the eyes of the people you're performing for, and you can tell immediately if they're with you or if they're not. Yeah. And you get to change, and you get to... I, I, I can't think of how many times I I said, let's throw this song out. Victor, put on the next one, or Matt, put on the next one, because sometimes he would do music for me, which right. was lovely. Um, so I guess there's like an element of what I like to do that's very planned, but I also am aware that you have to be flexible in the moment sure. and just throw something out if it's not working. Or if you if, if I've sung three songs and there's another big fourth song and I don't really have the voice for it, I'll take it out. I'll yeah. put something easy in at the last minute or at intermission. Um, I've also found that in at least the live shows that I've hosted that if you're very open about who you are and very genuine to the audience, if you have a moment of like you screw up or you say something that doesn't fly, mm -hmm. like 
if you engage in it, I feel like the audience responds to that more than if yeah. you just try and ignore it or brush past oh, it. Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. If you uh, self-deprecation is the best way to get an audience on your side. <laughs> yes. Because it makes them, it gives them power mm -hmm. because you are right. putting yourself down to lift them up a little totally. bit. Totally. Well, and as a performer, I'm not one of those people who comes on a stage and like reads people no. and I'm, I'm not nasty to people. <laughs> I, it doesn't really do anything for me and I don't, like as an audience member, I don't really care to be in an audience where someone is making fun of everybody there. Yeah. I, it's funny sometimes, but I think it's kind of, it, it's a skill set that I don't have for yeah. one. And two, um... I I want to I want people to like be happy to be there. Right. I know that like shade is like the new form of entertainment these days, but I think it's I think there are other things that are equally as fun. You just have to you have to like you have to like mine an audience to yeah. just, to figure out what they want aside from that. Yeah. And that's really exciting when you when you're in a show and then all of a sudden people are there with you. Yeah. Um I found, yeah. though, sometimes when I've done a show that's, like, super close to a very specific thing, mm -hmm. it's much easier to mind the audience. Like, I hosted a scrub show dressed as JD, right. and, like, every act started with a VO I recorded of me, like, imagining the next act, like, the scrubs, like scrubs moves through in the TV show, yeah. and... I would throw off one-liner jokes that I didn't expect anybody to get yeah. and would land because I'm in a room full of people who like this one show and know it very well. And so I find that totally. I find that more fun than just kind of doing a... Because I've also hosted Magical Girl Burlesque's anniversary show, which is more just a like, hey, look at these awesome people who love us and want to do our show and right. like kind of celebrating it. And that I find harder to host only because even though the, mostly the people who are coming are, of course, people who have been supporting us, I feel like I have less to say because I have no specific referential material. Yeah, yeah. It's hard. I, I don't know about you. I find it like going into a new space with nobody you know there is just terrifying, terrifying. as a Absolutely. performer. And yeah. you have to just be like, I think I'm good at this. I'm going to do it. I hope they like it. And yeah. I found that yeah. now I, I've been hosting for a few years now. I do. I started making flashcards. And even if I don't use them, there's something about holding them and having them as reference yeah. that gives me some a sense of confidence that I didn't have. Oh, for sure. And like we yeah. did a, a, a My Chemical Romance show where all the acts were to My Chemical Romance. And I had all the performers write down why they chose their songs. And nice. some of them I read word for word because there were some beautiful things said. And other performers had like two lines. So right. I didn't even read it. I like paraphrased and moved on mm -hmm. but it just gave me this sense of confidence to have referential material oh yeah that i didn't have when i was just kind of winging it winging it is scary <laughs> <laughs> well so i i've hosted um wee boy lesque mm -hmm. twice now yeah um the first time victor wasn't present right. because he was in california and the second time he was <laughs> uh I thought the first time went swimmingly i had so much fun and then when he asked me to do it again i was like sure let's do it then the second time came and there's Victor Devon sitting on the side of the stage <laughs> watching me host his show. And I was, I fucked up so much that <laughs> night. I got performer orders wrong. I had note cards that I forgot off stage. I was such a wreck because, well, because Victor is a really, he has such a high standard for what he does. And I think I do too. And I think that's why we get along. But knowing that also made me <laughs> terrified sure. to screw up the show. 
Well, yeah, um, that's like yeah. also part of it is I think even though Victor would never go, wow, you fucked up, screw yeah, you. Like yeah. that's not his personality. No. He has a certain stature to you in that that because the first the first show I ever hosted for we boy we we burlesque at a rock bar mm-hmm. was I I guilted Victor into throwing me a burlesque anniversary party that I got to host, and like <laughs> I felt like the night was a train wreck. <laughs> Even though everyone said I did a great job, right. but then the, the I hosted most recently in November. He wasn't there; he was out of town, and we still had a fairly small audience. But I felt like it went way better. Isn't and that I, interesting? But I don't think it yeah. had anything to do with him being there. I think also part of it was like we had a small audience both times, but the second small audience, the most recent show, were faces I knew, people yeah. who were familiar, and like my yeah. kitten, my kitten was Sarah Tops, and so like I knew. Yeah. A lot of the people, both in the cast and in the audience, even though it was a small audience, and I think that made it easier also. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Sometimes also I get strangely nervous over nothing. Like when I'm DJing mm-hmm. and I have all of the music yeah. and nothing could possibly go wrong, <laughs> all I worry about is everything going wrong. Okay, do I, have to start, I have to start at the right moment. And I've stopped at the right moment. <laughs> well, also with timing and, and stuff. Levels, like, yeah. yeah, and levels. Yeah. Like, I just, do you ever find yourself getting uh, strangely anxious about a show for no reason? Oh, yeah. All the time. I'm a very, like I said, I'm a high-strung, anxious person. Um, weed has helped a lot, I oh, will say. I will imagine. <laughs> it has helped a lot. Uh, but um, I, well, again, because I don't, because I don't come out and, like, read an audience, that's yeah. not the, I, my, my, not even my goal, but, like, who I am is, like, I just want to do a show for people who want to be there and enjoy right. it with me. I want to have fun doing it. I want them to have fun while they're there. And so part of that, there's like an expectation of like, well, and like I said, I like to come with, I come prepared and ready to go and to do a good show because if I can't do a good show, why am I doing it? Right. Um, and so I put a lot of pressure on myself. At my day job, I get a lot of flack for this too. Even my my bosses are like, you need to stop holding yourself to the standard. You need to calm down. We are just fine. Um so when your boss is calling you out on how high strung you are, you know yeah. it's gotten bad. She's like, relax. It'll be okay. Relax. <laughs> Just do it tomorrow or whatever. <laughs> um, and so I tend to get nervous for those those reasons too. Sure. I think when I first started doing drag, I was really lucky to be doing a co-host gig. Yeah. Because I think I would have drowned if I had been hosting a show by myself. Yeah, I feel like shows where you have someone else to play off of can work really well because mm-hmm. if you start to drown, they'll either step in or you can throw to them, yep. which is, I think, super helpful. Yep. Uh, there are a couple of shows where I've hosted with another host and like it's nice to when I get flustered to go, well, whatever, and then pass it off. Yeah, totally. You know, and totally. then let them carry the ship for a little bit. Oh, absolutely. And there's a real... I love the sense of like collaboration. Mm-hmm. The one thing I don't like about drag is that there's often not a sense of collaboration. You're it's such very an isolated. independent, like moving business. You yeah. are just you are the entire business entity, or I hate to say business, but um, do you know what I mean? You are yeah. the entire brand. You are everything. You have to get the music right, the costume right, etc., etc., etc. Right. The lip sync right, but you're doing all that work by yourself. Yeah. You're doing makeup by yourself. Even if you're in a room with other people, you're doing your face. Yeah. Um, well, that's why I was like, yeah. like some of your later shows that I saw at mm-hmm. Rock Bar, you've had featured queens mm-hmm. or kings that would be at your show. That yeah. like, um, that's how I met Precious, Precious Envy. Yeah, was at your show, and like, I thought it was really neat that you would like take take five or take ten, and they would do a couple songs, mm-hmm. and it kind of just added this variety. Like, yeah. there, I, I I will admit I've not seen a lot of drag where like two performers are on stage working yeah. together. Yeah, um, I've seen you do like pull people on stage to do a duet with with you, which is mm-hmm. always fun when they don't remember all the words. 
words. Yes. Because like, then people, it just, it's wonderful because at that point, you know nobody gives a shit. Like, it's just for the fun of it. Um, I wanted to ask, do you have favorites, a favorite song that you lip sync and a favorite song that you sing? Oh, can you pick one? Oh, for sure. Um, I, could, I could at least give you a top three. I All think. right. Um, my favorite... Okay, I'm going to go lip syncs first. Sure. My favorite songs to lip sync are Celine Dion, It's All Coming Back to Me Now. Mm, that's a good one. It's just such a good, epic song. It really is. And, like, I remember yeah. your performance of it, like, this kind of over-the-top, like, reaching out to the audience. Because yeah. the belty High nature drama. of... Well, because the song is so dramatic. Uh-huh. One of my favorite things about the new Deadpool movie and the fact that he, uh, Ryan Reynolds got her to do that song <laughs> yes. is, like... <laughs> It's like the end when she tells him to go fuck himself. Like, that's so believable. <laughs> it is, right? It, and it shows that she has a good sense of humor, which yeah. is great. But, like, yeah. it just, all of her songs always have that, like, the lens flare, like, moving ca- camera. Wind and the hair sort of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I, I just love that. And I love, that's the kind of comedy I like, is, yeah. like, flailing about like an idiot. That makes me <laughs> laugh. Not necessarily, like, violence or hurting or falling right. or anything like that. There's a queen in New York who just, like, falls down the stairs every time she performs. And I'm like, Jeez. ow! That's gonna hurt. Anyway, uh, I love her. <laughs> but, <laughs> ow! Uh, but, yeah, I like that flailing about big energy. So I, so I love Celine Dion. It's all coming back to me now. Drama is just in there for you to play with. Also one of my first drag numbers. Really? Also... I still don't know if I have all the words memorized. <laughs> well, the good thing is, if you're being big and sweeping, yeah. they, your mouth can yeah. kind of do some things that yeah. the words can fall out. I encourage anybody who hasn't to listen to that song in full and just recognize how no verse is the same. They might sound it, they are not. But they are not, yeah. It's like, but I touch you like this and I touch you like that. Then it's, and you whisper like this and you hold me like that. And then the next one, and you hold me like this. And you're like, wait a <laughs> second, you used that verb already. I can't keep track of these verbs. You're supposed to be a progressive, <laughs> progressive verses. What is this shit? So yeah, I love that. I, I love lip syncing. Okay, I love lip syncing Mariah Carey songs particularly emotions uh-huh, that's a good one it's such a good because it's also like a really kind of stupid song it really is um and then i think for a third i really do love um some of those mixes i think that the b arthur dorothy number is really fun to lip sync yeah because i know the i used to listen to the alanis, the alanis morissette song yeah when that album came out constantly and so that song is like in my dna um, so it's easy. I don't have to practice it. I just sort of know it, and I get to play with it. Well, and there's some acting chops in there, because the moments where it cuts out and you're mm-hmm. playing Dorothy, yeah. like, you get to hold and carry yourself as B. Arthur, and mm-hmm. I, at least I see it when you're on stage, and that's really yeah. fun yeah. to watch you kind of transform. Yeah. Well, like, during the during the lip-singing part, you're, or, or the, the Alanis sections, it's very punk and angry, and you yeah. get to sort of... I think I roll around and do a headbang or something. Yeah. But then when B. Arthur comes in, it's like immediately straightened up. Yeah. You have to be very proper. like, yes, the way she does it, I just love, I. but like I said, I love juxtapositions. I, yeah. I really like that. So those are my favorite lip syncs. I think my favorite live sings, I love singing The Edge of Glory just because it's, it's a great showy song that yeah. actually fits in my voice well. I, I love ballads. I really do. I like singing She Used to Be Mine from Waitress. That's a good one. I'm familiar with that one. I am, yeah. Um, gosh, now I can't even think of them. Oh, um, I have to throw in one song that I lip sync and do live. Okay. And it's Sade, Is It a Crime? It's just a <laughs> stunning song. It's, it really so, is a beautiful song. Yeah. That reason alone. 
Yeah. And so you've done that both ways. Yep. Are there a lot of songs that you do both live and lip sync? Actually, there are. I didn't think that would be the case, but um, a lot of the songs that I end up singing live, I've actually started by doing a lip sync. Interesting. Um, and part of that is like the convenience of I've actually done the work to learn exactly what the words are, and so right. I don't have to do that work. I get to just sing it and have fun with it. Um, so it's like it's like an easy song to pick for a live sing. But also, I don't pick songs to perform that I don't like. Sure. So, I mean, why would you perform to a yeah. song that you don't like? Yeah. I feel like that would be, unless someone made you do it for like right. a gag. Like I can't imagine yeah. why you would do something like that. I used to. I used to guest for. Uh, um, Lilith LeFay and Princess mm-hmm. Bitch at their show at Boots and Saddle. And those two are some of my favorite people in the world. I just adore them. Um, but the crowd there was not the same crowd that I was used to performing at for Rock Bar. It, um, we would do like two numbers each, and then we would do a drag roulette or a drag suicide for the rest of the evening. And uh, there would be a lot of, uh, <laughs> frankly, modern music uh-huh. that I don't really listen to. Um and the DJ would always, he was so sweet to me because he knew I didn't like doing that stuff. <laughs> but he would also be like, okay, what do you actually know? <laughs> right, yeah. So, like, I can throw you a bone here. Yeah, exactly. Really and and that's, ex- it exhausts me. Yeah. It's like, when I go to a, 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 be in a show and they're doing a drag suicide and people are just calling out, like, Beyonce, Rihanna, Britney Spears, whatever. Ooh. Oh, my. Uh, for those listening at home, that was my acoustic curtain coming off the wall. Oh. It's fine. It's still sort of absorbing yeah. the sound. We'll just... Uh, and now we can see cool things on the shelf. We can, yeah. <laughs> those are fun. Um, yeah. I don't know how that happened, but I'll fix it later. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's also really cool. I think that Musk gives you a versatility with the songs that you do, cool. do both doing live sync and yeah. lip sync. Yeah. Well, the good news is if I want to do a song, I can actually show up to the venue and read the crowd before I get on stage and say, this is a live sync crowd, or this yeah. is a lip sync crowd. Have you done that? Like, show oh, up and change it? For sure. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Especially the venues that I'm not used to. I think the first time I went to Hardware, um, which is a very different bar than, like, Rock Bar, right? It's, right. It's super fun. Um, but I just, I, I had to look around the room first to see yeah. who was there. And I had four songs in my set list, and I was only to perform two. And I, based on what I saw yeah. and just talking to people and even saying like, oh, they'll be like, hey, are you going to perform? And I'll say, oh, yeah, yeah, I was thinking <laughs> about doing this or this. And I'll sort of, I'll, I'll gauge what that's, they say they're interested smart. in. And then I'll perform based on that. Yeah. But I'll only do songs I like anyway. Right. So I'll give them options <laughs> that I like regardless. Yeah. Talking about yeah. songs and music and performing stuff you like, there's a show that I've yet to get to see, but that Fancy Feast does at Coney Island called Mame That Tune. Where, Whoa. where, where she takes songs that are, are, are I guess probably guilty pleasures or perpetually hated songs, yeah. but get people to perform to them, loving performing to them. And like I, in my brain, I always had this weird idea of doing this bizarre Guy Fieri act to mm-hmm. um, uh, All Star by Smash Mouth. Oh my god! Because I just think. Like, the douchier I can make that act, the better. That's so good, Like, it, Well, also because it's one of those songs that if I if I sang or lip sync, even if I don't sing well, it doesn't matter for that song. True. Because he don't sing well. Right. <laughs> um, but I don't think he hides that either. No, I think no. the singer Smash Mouth knows what he has yeah. and does what he can with yeah. it. But I think it was like be vibrato. What's vibrato? Yeah, what's a vibrato? <laughs> um, and so, like, my brain goes into those weird directions. Where yeah. how can I take this really bad song that I really like and mm-hmm. make it worse? Do you sing? I don't. Uh, you don't. I've done some singing. Um, I. 
but it's mostly like uh, karaoke or like uh, I used to have a video game called Rock Band where yeah. you could sing and I would do that. But I've not really done on stage singing. I tried in the past and I would get horrible stage fright just because oh, of. Yeah. And I don't know why because like getting up and hosting now doesn't bother me. But also the idea, like you said earlier, of doing stand up terrifies me. <sighs> but yes, yet standing up on a stage for a burlesque show and telling a joke doesn't terrify me. When it's not that different. Right. It's not that different. But I think for me, it's like if yeah. the joke doesn't land, I go, and here's the next person. True. And like True. run. It's Whereas if you're a comedian, it's like, oh, I'm dying and Flat no one lighting. can help me. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, it's funny because I, I I listen to a lot of podcasts and mm-hmm. one of I listen to a lot of comedy podcasts. Sure. Oddly. Me um, too. I used to listen to Nerdist, which I thought was great. I um, did as well. But he talks about comedy as being such a like, it's a self contained thing yeah and that's what drag kind of is too yeah. so they're very similar meanwhile i think something like um like improv is a totally different skill set yeah. which like uh, to be a better performer i would like to learn more improv yeah sure. i know the th- the theory behind doing improv well and like what you're supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do but in practice very little i don't know i haven't done it much. Yeah, I have friends who are yeah. improv performers who are, are great at it. I met them on a, a cruise ship uh, on my honeymoon, actually. Mm. Um, and they're out in Vegas. And, like, watching them work is astonishing to me. Because even though most of the sketches or long form that they do yeah. is not complicated, I look at it and go, I don't know that I could do that. I don't know if my yeah. brain could, Like, I don't... In my experience, I don't do improv well. I think if I have a solid co-host on the stage with me, I can do it okay. Yeah. But like, if I have to lead a sketch and create something from nothing, I don't mm. think I could do it. Because yeah. I just don't think my brain works fast enough. Totally. Like, I think conversations like this, my brain works fast enough because I can follow and guide whoever I'm interviewing. Yeah. I don't really have to take lead that much except yeah. when I ask a question. Whereas doing improv, it's like, well, here's here's a word. Now make up an entire universe based on that one word. Gosh, I know. And they're so fast at it. Yeah. I don't understand it. Yeah. It, it is something. But I, it is fascinating. Yeah. Oh. I feel like I wonder. Well, it's just like, so I don't do burlesque. I've toyed with the idea of trying it. But I always feel like I should take at least a burlesque class. Because I feel like if nothing else, it'll make me more comfortable with totally. my body. And so it's in, it, that's my 2019 goal. Yes, I'm saying it on the air. You can hold <laughs> me to it. I would like to take a burlesque class. Because I think also... Like, so I plan on trying to do a lip sync act in February. I'm hosting a Panic at the Disco show where it's all Panic at the Disco songs. and I love their music. And so I got my uh, co-producers to agree, not that they wouldn't have let me do it, to let me do a lip sync without stripping. Because I feel like if I can do that, Mm -hmm. then I can add the other stuff. But I have to feel confident enough to get on stage and just do that first part. Oh, yeah. And I think that it'll be easier for me to wrap my brain around that. Have you ever lip-synced before? I have. But not... I've, like... I've done lip-sync bits with people on stage, but I've never done a full act. Yeah. And so I'm curious, like, now my brain's trying to wrap its head around choreography and stuff like that. And so... But I think it'd be fun. And if nothing Mm -hmm. else, if I try it and I don't do it well, I can... I will then decide to either get better or stop doing it. Exactly. And I, like, I won't know till I try. See if you get a taste for it when you do it. Yeah. Because I didn't think I'd be a good good host. I was asked to start hosting for Magical Girl Burlesque because they pretty much went, you're a safe guy. And we don't know a lot of safe guys. (laughs) And none of us want to host. Can you please host? Which I'm super humbled by. Yeah. And, like... And since then, it's it's bloomed into a hosting career where yeah. I've hosted for other shows now, and I love doing it. But it's not a thing I ever thought I'd be any good at because, again, I, fr- I froze up trying to sing The Rainbow Connection with my wife on stage in a room full of friends, and I couldn't do it. That's sometimes harder, though. Yeah, I A guess room full so. of friends. I mean, I, I guess if you're not really a singer, then that 
I mean, I had posted... Uh, there's a, a level of, like... Well, Ugh. I had posted on the internet coming up to that show, like, hey, can I fill the room with my friends? I'm really nervous. And then I got on stage and looked out at faces and just went, nope, can't do it, and forgot all the words. They're, like, eagerly looking at yeah. me, like, you and they can were, do it. And they were all supportive, and they applauded <laughs> me, and, like, I came back in in the chorus, but, like, yeah. it was a nightmare. Yeah. Yet, hosting now, like, I don't really freeze up yeah. at all. I'll sometimes stumble over my words, but I don't f- ever feel like a deer in headlights. And I think it's because also, again... I'm not the focus. When I'm hosting, I have no illusions yeah. that I am a uh, figurehead to get to the good stuff. Yeah. And I'm okay with that. And I actually think well, I like that better. I mean, that's that's one way of looking at it. But I think he, I think it's also smart to look at it from the direction of if someone asks you to host something, that's a really good thing. Right. Because they very few you. people can do it. Right. Um, I barely can do it. <laughs> uh, it is It is a reach for me. I have to really like get myself going before I host something. See, Even I, my own show sometimes. But like people who just can step on a stage and yeah. talk to people at ease, yeah. that is unreal. I, I I mean, I would say also podcasting for the last four years has prepped me for oh, that yeah. a little bit. Yeah. I'm, like I'm used to, all of my stuff is fairly conversational. I'd say the, the podcast I do on Mass Effect, which is a specific sci-fi series, mm-hmm. is the most intricate my podcast get because like, we refer to moments in the game. Yeah. Like we, my co-host takes notes. I don't take notes. Notes for <laughs> um, But like, so that's a more guided conversation where yeah. something like this, it's like, I had like 30 questions in my head to ask you. We'll probably get to like five of them because yeah. the conversation is more natural and feels better to me. Absolutely. And I think that's lent more to my hosting for me. That's really interesting. I never yeah. even thought about that. Because I feel like I'm having a conversation with the audience and I yeah. kind of try and frame it that way. Especially the shows I do based around music. Like I talk about why the music's important to me. Totally. And that's why I also got quotes from the performers about why they chose the songs. I feel like if I personalize it, maybe it'll bring, like it feels warmer to me yeah. than like pushing people away and going, this is ours, you yeah. can't have it kind of a thing. I think that's so real. Yeah. Yeah. It's making it ours and not yours right that it's a shared experience entertain me get up there and tell me a joke it's it's uh it's be a part of the joke i think yeah um one of my favorite things to ask uh performers that i have on the show before we wrap up is a fairly cliche uh ask but i didn't like podcasts are a fairly new thing in the scope of media and i think it's important to talk about the work we're doing and how we got started. If there were any advice you could give to young performers, especially young drag queens, that you didn't maybe know when you started, what would that be? Oh, yeah, this is a great question. Um, I would say I have two pieces of advice. One is being a drag performer specifically. One is being a performer. Okay. As a drag performer, I think... A lot of young queens sort of come to the show and they say, hey, look at me, I'm hot shit. <laughs> I mean, you learn after a while that that's not necessarily the case. Sure. But I, I think that every, it's also really easy in drag to get comfortable and to not grow. Right. And so what I would give performers who are interested in trying it is don't ever be satisfied. If, you're, if you've come to a point where you're satisfied, maybe you should try something else. Right. It's that idea of like do things that scare you right. because those things are the ones that are going to make you grow. Um, I did drag because it scared me. I yeah. wanted to do it, but I was terrified of it. First time I did a, a show, I was shaking and sweating bullets. It was a mess. But it was good for me, right? right. And I think, I, so I think if performers always keep in mind that they can always be better and they can always do better. They can, I thought I had makeup like 
I thought I figured it out. Like for me, I thought this right. is the face that I'm going to refine for the rest of my life. And then I got bored with it. And then right. a few months ago, I said, I want to try something totally different. I changed it and I love it even more. So you have to be open to change and doing things differently. Uh, That's great advice. Yeah. And then as a performer, I think people need to really make their own opportunities. Mm-hmm. Not everybody says this in creative fields as advice, like don't do what you think people want, do what you are. Yeah. It's so true. Yeah, absolutely. Because then you come up with things like B. Arthur, um, and Dorothy Spornak and Alana Moore. I would have never done that as a, as a new queen. I yeah. would have stuck with top 40. Yeah. But, but I wanted to do something that I liked. And those are the things that stick. The Mario thing. That was a, I put that together in 45 minutes <laughs> because they were two references that I liked and I thought were fun. Yeah. People lost their mind. I had no expectation of that. Yeah, I didn't know that act existed yeah. till uh, like earlier this year. And then yeah. I saw someone, I think it was Victor, shared a video of it. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Random. It's so simple, too. It's brilliant. Yeah. Like, I think that's why I loved it so much. But you're right. I think that if you lean into what you like yeah. and do, like we just did a show based on the graphic novel, Wicked, The Wicked and the Divine, which mm-hmm. is a great graphic novel about yeah. pop stars becoming gods and like using it for two years before they die to yeah. like forward their pop stardom and like yeah. we had we had uh people who'd never been to our shows before come dressed as the characters like it was and we had like some really incredible lip sync drag performances that like i never even would have thought would have been a part of it and it, yeah. it was brilliant and i think it's because we leaned into this thing and then we yeah. got the blessing of the creators yeah. and like all this stuff i think it's because we just leaned into this niche thing yeah because it worked and it totally. ended up working well, that's a good thing about pop culture too. Is that if you find something and you're you're really into it, yeah. and you put and you and you work at it so that you achieve some sort of excellence in it. Yeah. Not that I've achieved any excellence in anything, <laughs> but but when you do, people who also like that recognize it and they want to be there with you yeah. doing it. And that's how you build uh, a following or fans or friends or whatever you want to call it. I I. I don't like the word followers. I feel like it's weird. Yeah, I don't like fans either. I refer to the people listening to the podcast as listeners. Yeah. I sometimes refer to them as fans and yeah. stop myself because I'm like, yeah. they're not. Like, they're listening. They like yeah. the show. But, I, yeah, I know something about followers and fans yeah. that feels, like, yeah. icky. I feel like <laughs> I feel like supporters is a better supporters word. Supporters is a great word. Right? <laughs> Maybe if I start working coliseums, I'll change my change. My right, exactly. Yeah, you'll welcome all your fans. Right. I suppose if you're on a giant stage and you're Beyonce saying, <laughs> yeah. welcome my supporters, yeah. sounds a little it's, political, it's maybe. Weird. Yeah. It's, it's like, do you want to go storm the Capitol or something? <laughs> no, well, thank you. Petra, this was amazing. Thank you for being on the show. Thanks for having um, me. My last request is that you do our sign off, which okay. is music is life and life is good. Um, the listeners know why I do it, and I've told yeah. you why I do it. I think it's just a great way to kind of sum up how we can move forward through this life when it seems like a shitstorm. So if you would be so kind as to sign us off. I would love to. Uh, please give me the prompt again. Sure. <laughs> no worries. You said it, and I had it in my head. No, it's then, fine. You are not the first or the last it. person who's going to do that. Oh, wait, I got it. I got it. Okay, got you got it. it. All right. Okay. Music is life, and life is good. That's it for this episode of Crash Chords Autographs. Our theme music is by Michael Kill. Our logo was designed by Case Aiken and Joey Amans. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes and Facebook. You'll help us reach more listeners. Questions, comments, or guest recommendations? Email matt.storm at crashchords.com or hit us up on Twitter at Crash Chords Web. Thanks for listening. 
Hi, this is Victor Devon, and I am the host of We Burlesque, the podcast. Every Monday, I talk to fabulous denizens of nightlife, including burlesque performers, both seasoned and new to the form, drag performers, performance artists, DJs, and artists who make up their respective scenes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Please visit weburlesque.com to check out episode recaps and see all the formats available. And remember that music is life. Life is good.